What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Lovecraft Country Chronicles, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Please welcome your hosts, Mia Johnson and Natalie Zamora. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another bonus episode of Lovecraft Country Chronicles. I'm Mia Johnson. I'm also here with our co-host today. Hey, everyone. It's Natalie Zamora. And we have another extra special guest on the show here today, Michael Watson, who is the cinematographer for this lovely show that we've been watching uh episodes five through nine isn't that right michael that is correct hi yeah awesome. <laughs> so yeah welcome to the show um you have you've got a pretty big um resume of work uh, underground <laughs> queen sugar black lightning all this <laughs> it's amazing thank you so, yeah, let I'm always curious to know about people who work behind the scenes um, and just how they got started. So how did you get into the whole business of cinematography? Absolutely. You know, it was almost uh, an accident, for lack of a better term. I actually wanted to be a fashion photographer. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, exactly. And kind of uh, pursue my dreams in New York and what have you. But at the time, I was living in South Florida, and Miami in particular, and it was it was quickly becoming the mecca for fashion, in particularly South Beach. So I didn't know of how to find a way into that aspect of the industry. So I told myself, well, let's pull out the Yellow Pages. This is when Yellow Pages still existed. <laughs> Neither of you know what those are. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I basically went through the Yellow Pages and found camera rental houses and I uh, went down the list and started faxing my resume to each and every camera rental house in South Florida. Well, Mm -hmm. one of them finally called me back and when I went for the interview, uh, I was pretty much hired on the spot and unbeknownst to myself, it wasn't a still um, photography rental house. It was a motion picture camera rental house. Ooh. So you can imagine on my face when the manager of 
facility took me to the lockup where they kept all the lenses and cameras. And I saw these enormous camera bodies and these enormous lenses. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, this, this, this looks nothing like the, the, you know, the Pentax 100, you know, camera that I mm-hmm. own. <laughs> and I thought, well, it's a completely different format. So I just kind of like went along with it. And uh, little by little, within that day, it finally came to me that these were motion picture cameras. <laughs> um, old Aries and BL4s and what have you. The, the, the rental house was at the time, it was, it, the name of the rental house was Cine Video Tech and it was based in Miami. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I got my hands-on start onto motion picture equipment and decided, well, I guess this is the universe talking to me, so I'm just going to run with it. <laughs> A few it's years really later, cool. I, I left there and started as a camera assistant and worked my way up from there. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So all of your training really was just hands-on as far as learning to use the like actual video cameras and all that. That is absolutely correct. And, wow. you know, and there, uh, I started in, at the new video tech in 99. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they still were shooting film and, Miami at that time was was really huge for hip hop for the hip hop music video scene. Mm-hmm. Like every hip hop artist wanted to shoot in South Beach. Oh yeah, so it, it was really great opportunities to, you know, if you were on a music video, a lot of times they would have multiple cameras and not enough crew members to man all the cameras. So every now and mm-hmm. then, you know, you might get thrown on a camera where the DP, who's you know very young himself, would be like just. <laughs> just, just point it over there and keep it focused. And you know, you so it kind of gave me a look into, you know, what it felt like to look through the finder and to frame up a shot and what have you. Um, and I found it to be, you know, exactly like photography in many ways. And I kind of took what I knew in photography, and when I was in those situations, just kind of ran with it. Awesome. Do you have any like special celebrity like musicians <laughs> that you were able to film for back then? Um, you know, I've worked with Lenny Kravitz a few times. Oh. I've worked with Will Smith when he was in the music scene back then a few times. Um, you know, stuff like that. Those were those are great experiences. Yeah, that's cool. And so then, once you you know, fast forward to let's say a couple of years ago, working with Underground, which is also from um, the showrunner now, Misha Green. Uh, what mm-hmm. was it like getting to work with her again? You know, working with Misha is always exciting. You know, she um, she kind of sets you free to really do your best work. She doesn't really mm-hmm. micromanage you. She, she kind of tells you and gives you some some insight into where she wants to take the piece. Mm-hmm. And then she gives you the support you need to kind of, you know, each individual department to kind of, rate, kind of rise up to the occasion to where she wants to bring the material, you know, and through that technique, she kind of pushes you to, to places within your own creative abilities to yeah. kind of um, find uh, levels of creativity that you probably didn't even know you had within you yourself. So mm-hmm. she definitely is is wonderful to work with in that respect, just very supportive and uh, a great person to collaborate with. That's awesome. And since you are, you know, basically working with her again, do you think it was easier that, you know, you had already established this, you know, work rapport with her or, you know, did working on Lovecraft Country present like a different set of challenges? You know, honestly, 
I personally feel it's easier when there's history there, you know, between you and another yeah. individual mm-hmm. relationship. And Lovecraft was an incredibly challenging show to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it, having the history there and, and knowing how Misha works, mm-hmm. it, it helped to kind of, uh, basically I already knew the level of gameplay Misha wanted to, to bring to the table for every department, you know? So definitely having the history with her helped immensely. That's awesome. So, yeah, let's dive in now to Lovecraft Country because we yes. have been enjoying it. I know, same for you, Natalie, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> Natalie's been Good. on the field, like live tweeting every week, and we've been getting Good. a lot of great engagement from fans as well. <laughs> yeah, people are loving it. It's awesome to see. Good. Yeah. So, what in. For you, what do you feel is the significance or the importance as a person of color to work on a show like Lovecraft Country? Well, I think first and foremost, what Lovecraft did for me was, as a black cinematographer, it gave me the opportunity to to kind of create content at the, at the as, I, as I like to say, the level of HBO. Mm, you know, yeah. when, it's, it's, when you're when you're playing in, in that in that ballpark, it's you're at the creme de la creme, right? So yeah. Is truly creating some of the best content on television. So this opportunity gave me the the, the chance to create at that level. Um, and then secondly, it was an opportunity to to educate from an entertainment perspective and to introduce some serious and real bits of history that a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know about, surprisingly. I, I can't tell you how many friends of mine yeah you know, saw episode one uh, and knew nothing about the concept of a sundown town. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so to entertain and to educate, wow, what a a combination. So it was win-win to be a part of this project. Yeah, I bet. And we've been using this podcast to not just as a way to say, oh my gosh, this episode was so great and we loved X, (laughs) Y, Z. Uh, but a lot of our newer, what we call bonus episodes have been dedicated to teaching the history behind some of these, you know, big, important drops, <laughs> you know, these reveals yeah. that happen in each episode. So, yeah. yeah, we did. We've had an episode on Sundown Town. They're talking about Jim Crow and all those things. And it, mm-hmm. you know, it it opens the door to those conversations. So I like that this show, you know, it leaves you a little bit of something, but there's, you know, so, so much more to, to dive into. Oh yeah. my God. Is yeah. Wow. <laughs> and this is another favorite question of mine. I don't get to interview cinematographers often, <laughs> but in your eyes, how would you describe the aesthetic, the visual aesthetic of Lovecraft Country? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, Love, Lovecraft, as, as you women, ladies know, you've been watching it, it's kind of a mixture of, of genres, right? There's yeah. horror, mm-hmm. uh, there's sci-fi, modern sci-fi. So for myself, I, I really just did the best to embrace those genres and, and the visual stylings of those genres and then bring it all into the look of what Lovecraft wanted to be, um, mm-hmm. and then mix the color and, and some other conversations that myself and Rob McLaughlin had, he's the other DP, mm-hmm. as to how we kind of wanted to keep the lighting, you know, somewhat naturalistic, but definitely yeah. embracing 
the visual stylings of those genres. Um, in particular, as you guys get further into, say, episode six and episode seven, there's events that happen that really lend itself to pulp sci-fi and, and what have you. So I, I think I'd be very excited to see some of the stuff that we've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's you get to kind of Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So another thing that I'm curious about is if you could just walk us through the process of like, you know, from start ish to finish ish, you know, like getting the script to mm-hmm. having these ideas in your mind after reading it to, you know, actually producing it or mm-hmm. actually shooting mm-hmm. it. How does that process work? Well, you know, on a show like this where you have not only do you have an incredibly in-depth and, and, and large in scope story, but now you have high in visual effects and not yeah. just, you know, small visual effects. We're talking world building type visual effects, you know, creature building type visual effects. So when, mm-hmm. when you read the script right away that you know that you're going to be working very closely with other departments, like your visual effects departments, like your mm-hmm. special effects department. So there's a lot of, mm-hmm pre-visualization during pre-pro, pre-production, a lot of pre-vis, and particularly of the very larger and the more specific uh, visual effects. In particular, as you mentioned, you saw episode five. So Mm -hmm. you know that there are things that happen in episode five that you just don't see every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) To to put it lightly. (laughs) A lot of pre that goes that a lot of, um, you know, digging, uh, what do they say? How do they say? Kind of, a drilling down on the concepts of those visual effects. Um, you know, and then there's lots of camera tests, uh, lighting tests, mm. lens that happen during those camera tests. And then all of that. And of course uh, there's a lot that, that I'm leaving out, out that would probably take a whole nother show. <laughs> but then once you and that preparation, now it's time to kind of channel all of that energy um, that all of the departments are all vibing on into mm-hmm. your first set of days. Um, so that's kind of like, you know, in, in a nutshell, kind of how it all kind of comes together from script to, 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 to actual filming. Got it. Got it. <clears throat> and it, 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 honestly, we would have to do like an entire another show just to kind of go into <laughs> real details about what yeah. happens. But those are the broad <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure. like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious, do you, so after everything is shot as a cinematographer or, you know, DP, do you, are you still involved in the, uh, I guess it would be what the post-production phase as well. So kind of monitoring how the editing and all that is going. Mm. Well, not so much the editing when, mm-hmm. when I hand off what's been shot, uh, the next time that I get, that I'm very involved in it would be basically the color timing process. I so see. at that point mm. I do see sometimes that visual effects are completed and plugged in and, and what have you. And sometimes they're not, but, um, so yeah, I mean, to, to a certain extent I get into the, into the, um, post process, but mostly on the color timing end. I got it. Okay. 
Um, and yeah, I, I also read a little bit that you did some research for this project as well to capture the time period. Um, so what sort of historical, you know, photograph, photographer research did you do? Ooh, I, I, I dug up stuff from like <laughs> Harold Feinstein and Fan Ho and uh, Fred Herzog and of course Gordon Parks. I mean, those were kind of like my staple, you know? Mm my lookbooks and what have you mm. yeah i'm looking there i'm remembering one i'm thinking back to another this was another episode where there was a shot of like the mother and she's got a her daughter with her mm-hmm. outside and it's a um it's no it's a it pays homage to oh gordon parks yeah and that so I, I like how you all do drop these little these small little it's like i'm discovering this you know like every single week <laughs> all the little small <laughs> easter eggs you all drop in here yeah yeah that's so true and a, a second watch too not just the first watch oh, yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah um so in general Okay, I, I'm 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 debating what questions to ask. Okay, but, <laughs> so I I'm I'm also a little curious about when things are on set, you know, because this is horror. Sometimes it get really intense. Uh, what's the whole just the overall vibe like, or the scene like shooting a horror film? Because sometimes I hear like the actors are like, oh, like it, it doesn't phase me anymore because I'm filming it over and over and over again. So <laughs> what is it like for you to film, you know, horror? You know, that's a great question. I. I think one of the main reasons why the, the this film in particular for myself, I can only speak for myself, but it didn't feel like we were shooting a horror film. I mean, yes, you were mm. very aware of the elements of horror, and particularly in scenes where, you know, you had certain like creatures that were involved or, mm. you know, dark elements involved. Um, uh, for example, last night you guys met, you know, well, you've met them earlier, but like the police officers. Yeah. And you that they're actually part of a different, you know, coven or what have you. Yeah. And there's some scary stuff that happens with these guys. They're not nice guys. But the yeah. interesting thing with this, this television show is it doesn't feel like a horror film. It almost feels more like a, a, a whodunit drama, you know, mm-hmm. where you're digging to get to, to, to answers more so than you are running away from somebody slashing a knife or some creature yeah. chasing you, you know? Like we're, we're, we are on a hunt for answers to what is taking place here and why. And as we're on this journey, we come across some scary shit. <laughs> yeah. <our> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we've all, we've been discussing the exploration of, you know, genre, how is, you know, yeah. like um, episode four, everyone kind of dubbed it the Raiders of the Lost Art type <laughs> of episode. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like you have these dramatic elements and these, mysteries and then along the way yeah something really scary pops up and Mm -hmm. i would say personally it's just subtle enough for me that i don't like freak out or anything too much (laughs) because otherwise i might not be able to take it yeah yeah that's how i feel too yeah i had a friend text message me she was like why did you warn me people were going to be peeling their skin off (laughs) (laughs) you're like oh yeah that did happen (laughs) yeah so, in general, what would you say uh, in Lovecraft Country are your favorite types of scenes to film? Well, like, when do you get most creative? You know, there's some episodes <clears throat> that are coming up, so I can't give you too much. But mm-hmm. I will say 
episode that I found to be that I got the most hands-on with um, were the episodes that involved the visual effects lighting that motivated the visual effect itself. Mm. So there's going to be some things happening in, in episodes seven, uh, six, seven, that basically involve some, oh God, I can't really, it's, it's so hard to yeah. say. <laughs> but the answer is anything that involved me using lighting to mm-hmm. elevate a visual effect is what I really jump on. Ew. You know, to kind of so- make the visual effect feel more real and less like a visual effect. And whenever there's an opportunity to, to do that through the lighting or in camera, then I'm all about it. Right. To be more, I guess, like practical versus the computer generated and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, well, nice. we've got an assignment then for our listeners to start looking out for those little elements. Maybe they'll yeah. have an eagle eye for that. <laughs> yeah. So... I want to talk about episode five is the episode that we can like actually talk about and here's some specifics Mm -hmm. for you. Uh, So asking, basically asking the same question, what do you feel like was your most creative shot in episode five specifically? Mm. You know, I can't narrow it down to just a shot. (laughs) I, I, I tell you that the scene that I'm probably the most proud of is the drag queen ball. Ooh, yeah. um, it, there was just so much going on there and, you know, deciding to, to go with this beautiful red palette, um, of color. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it, you know, there are times as a cinematographer where you make, you have, well, actually all the time you're having to make decisions. And I think a good, di- at the end of, of a shooting day, you know, it's, you've made some really good decisions when you look at the dailies and, and you yourself are blown away by, by your own work. And that, <laughs> I, I was blown away. I just, I loved it so much. That's awesome. Now, usually sometimes, you know, colors have all sorts of symbolism. Was red a symbol for anything or did it just fit aesthetically with the scene you're going with? You know, honestly, for, it, it was absolutely a way of conveying subtle bit of information because as you know, Montrose is a very tortured character. Oh yeah, you know he's he's a repressed gay man in in living in in the middle of Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. Um, a repressed black gay man. So already that's um, back then that would have probably been a death sentence. Yeah. And with the drag queen ball, you know, I used red as as almost it's 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 his coming out party, right? Not necessarily coming out to the world. But coming out to himself and accepting yeah. himself for who he is, mm-hmm. you know, and for me, red was the embodiment of passion and love for himself. Mm. Wow, that's I'm awesome! Glad I asked that. I would, yeah, yeah, that was a good question. That was a good question. I didn't even think yeah. about that. I was just watching it and thinking, "Wow, this is gorgeous! I love everything about this." Yeah, but- <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that one made me really emotional we discussed yes. that in our review i was like oh my goodness what is, what am i feeling right now <laughs> yeah the chills were real i mean I, you know that, that whole when i read that sequence in the script just kept thinking about why he was so tortured and mm-hmm. uh, and 
I mean, I, I don't want to get into too much personal detail because, you know, it, it, I don't want to make this weird, but like, <laughs> I, I guess if you were to put yourself in his shoes, just imagine every day you're, you're, you're living some level of a lie, mm, right? Yeah. Point. You must feel quite tortured as a human being. And I yeah. think that that feeling of torture is, is why he was the way he was with, with Atticus, his son, mm -hmm. why he was, you know, abusive, why he was a drunk. I mean, it's, it, it all can be traced back to his repressed sexuality. Right. So yeah, it's, it, it's a very impactful scene. If you really kind of stop and just think about what, what must that have been like for a character living in that time period? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. I'm interested to see, you know, how Montrose progresses after this. Cause that yes. was, that was really huge. Yes. Um, and gosh, going back to <laughs> the more <laughs> gruesome parts of that episode and you, you touched mm -hmm. upon like, you know, the skin shedding, just how, <laughs> like, how did you pull off that, you know, filming those scenes? Oof. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, really kudos goes to um, the visual effects team, mm. uh, Evan Blank, visual effects supervisor, um, and our special effects team. You know, they, they were able to relatively seamlessly marry the special effects, meaning prosthetic skin, Mm -hmm. um, and then augment the prosthetic skin with visual effects to kind of take it to the next level. Um, and for myself, what I just, what I felt would, would be appropriate there was actually, and then a lot of conversation went into this, was to show less of it through the lighting and mm -hmm. allow the audience kind of fill in the blanks. Um, <laughs> so that would be where I would kind of fall back on a horror film-esque style of cinematography where, you know, you, I left a little more in the shadows than mm -hmm. I did in the light. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I realized <laughs> that each sort of, each metamorphosis was, it revealed a little bit more. So it always kept you wondering and guessing like what in <sighs> the heck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I noticed there in two scenes, actually, when the there's a metamorphosis going on the first one was at the very beginning mm -hmm. and then the second yeah. one was you know when ruby is <laughs> exacting her revenge on her boss <laughs> but there was this idea to have the tv the television in the foreground where did that whole mm -hmm. idea come from you know everything and, and <laughs> this might sound odd and, 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 it's, and it's by means a Okay, so everything, pretty much everything in on this show, believe it or not, was was scripted. There, there were not a lot of. I mean, there were some, but big mm -hmm. things like that, that that was in the script. Misha, wow. you know that, that, yeah, that she created that 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 is her idea. Wow. So yeah, I, I guess yeah, that whatever was going on in the television, in a way complimented in such an eerie way <laughs> what yeah. was going on in the background <laughs> wow so that was written in there awesome yeah well yeah 
Overall, then, and you, you discussed this a little bit as we we wrap up here. What would you say is just what what do you love most about Lovecraft Country? You know, honestly, we 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 probably touched on that a little bit in earlier <laughs> questions, but truthfully, it's 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 a double threat in the sense that not only does it entertain, but it educates, and I think that's a a really big and important concept. Mm-hmm. that television does not always do very well. Yeah. Um, and in today's world that we're living in, it is, it's really eye-opening and enlightening to see bits of history that almost give you a better understanding of why we are where we are. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get political at all but why we are where we are in this country as far as race relations are concerned. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like just imagine touring through the country with your family and you can't just walk into a restaurant and you have to be out of town by sundown. Mm -hmm. So what that must do to your spirit after years and years and years of that kind of oppression, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's the why, why I enjoyed Lovecraft as much as I did, because being able to show history, but yet at the same time mask it in entertainment, it just felt rewarding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think everyone is, you know, at least beginning to realize the perils. Like you said, even if they don't know, they're at least beginning to realize that there's something more. There is some sort of factual evidence or maybe not so much the monsters, you know, like the shug-offs <laughs> and all that, but it's, yeah, all these events are basically deriving off of actual factual historical events. Um, yeah. And like I said yeah. before, I, I do like that it opens the doorway to those conversations because I think these are conversations that we <laughs> still need to be having. Yeah. Yeah. And also then going along just with your favorite things, do you have a favorite character in this show? Ooh, that is such a tough one. <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, I, I think for myself, the character that I enjoyed filming the most and the, the character that I enjoyed lighting the most was probably Ruby. I just love lighting her. <laughs> um, Wumi is just she's such an incredibly beautiful woman, but Gosh. her talent is just it knows no bounds. And um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed working with her immensely. That's awesome. And you know what? That's that's making me think of sort of the history when it comes to just photographers in general and, you know, being able to just properly light, you know, a brown person, a dark skinned person. Like, I think it's so important, you know, (laughs) to have people of color behind the camera so that you just get it right. And yeah, Mm -hmm. Ruby, oh my gosh, (laughs) Wumi, she sparkles in every scene. (laughs) Yeah. Does she ever? It's, you know, it's definitely, um, you know, the hair and makeup and what have you, but, Mm -hmm. but, her, her bone structure and, you know, the way her skin just absorbs light so beautifully yeah. and, and, and the way it returns light so beautifully. I mean, my goodness, you yeah. could light her with 
a flashlight and she looks stunning. <laughs> I love that. I believe lastly, it. <laughs> lastly, then, from mm-hmm. the episodes that you didn't direct, uh, mm. these first couple se- uh, episodes that we saw, do you have a favorite scene from those episodes? From the episodes that I didn't direct? I mean, yeah. or, or shoot? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, honestly, from, from an episode that I didn't shoot, and I'm a little bit jealous because I was kind <laughs> of slated to shoot it, but oh, because no. of the thing and the way things got kind of bounced around, we had to hand off different episodes between Rob and mm-hmm. myself. But I would say episode four and the scene, the, you, you know, you guys are, have dubbed it the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark scene. We yeah. were all calling it the Go- Goonies scene. Yeah, um, yeah, I've heard that too. Someone say that. Yeah. Be my favorite of the of the episodes that I didn't shoot. It's such a fun scene, and Rob just, oh my god, he killed it. It looks beautiful. Um, there's some interesting little te- lighting techniques that he he used to kind of give mm-hmm. it that underwater feel. I mean, he just mm-hmm. he just destroyed it. It was beautiful in every way. That's awesome. Yeah, that yeah. was an exciting episode. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this was a great conversation. I learned a lot yeah. uh, just, you know, about all the creativeness that goes into making this show, which is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, Michael, is there anything else that you want to add or say that I didn't ask? No, I, th- I think you guys are amazing. And thank you for taking the time and giving me the opportunity to speak a little bit about the show. I truly appreciate you both. Um, and I look forward to the next time. Thank you. Thank you so much. much. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, our listeners will always be here Sunday nights right after those episodes drop. So (laughs) we'll we'll break down every single thing, even episode (laughs) six. And yeah, I think we're all excited to see what these next couple episodes bring, especially, you know, now that we know you are the cinematographer behind them. Yeah, absolutely. And let me know what you think of the rest of the show. Oh, we will. <laughs> yeah, of course. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you, thanks, Michael. And thanks, all the listeners out there. And we will see you on our next episode. Thanks, Bye, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.